Welcome to the Socrates Podcast, an intellectual discussion and analysis of the world's most popular sport. On today's episode, only one game to talk about, and it's the game, the Champions League final between Real Madrid and Liverpool, which happened this past Saturday. I'll give my full tactical breakdown and thoughts on the game. All this and more coming right up. Welcome back to the Socrates Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Marchesani. And as the European soccer season came to a close with the Champions League final between Liverpool and Real Madrid, we just got to see a good game capping a great season. And when it comes to the Champions League, I do believe it is such a special competition. UEFA knows that they have something here and it's always great. It's always exciting. There's always drama. And it leads to, I do think, the two best teams in Europe playing together. And that's what we got today with Liverpool and Real Madrid. And we'll take a look at the the, the breakdown. We'll take a look at the game, uh, where I thought the tactics went right, where I thought they went wrong. We'll look at their lineups, how they played, and ultimately you know, react to the scoreline and some of the stories coming from the game. But if we look at Liverpool setting up with their 4-3-3 as they traditionally do with their midfield trio of Fabinho, Thiago, and Henderson, probably the preferred trio, at least for a starting lineup. They have so much depth. They can rotate so many players in there. And that's what I love about Liverpool is they really are a machine. And they can just plug in different players, but they all know what to do. They all can come in and play their role. And that's one of the things I've really enjoyed about this Liverpool team over the last few years and what Jurgen Klopp has done. And you know how they're going to play. We expected them to be on the front foot, which is what they came out doing. We expected them to be playing in possession. We expected them to be playing higher up the pitch. And we looked at Real Madrid. They had a 4-3-3 as well. Very experienced center mids. Okay, We had Casemiro, Tony Cruz and Luka Modric, all in their mid to late 30s. So it was a different dynamic. Even though Liverpool's midfield was seasoned as well, there was there was a noticeably different way that the midfielders were playing in this game. And when we looked at the first half, you know, Liverpool started great. It was a weird setting because the game got started 40 minutes late. We never really got a full explanation. The Paramount Plus crew uh, wasn't sure how to fill the time when they ha- when they had ran out of their things to talk about. So they were trying to fill the time. There was weird vibes. Most of the Real Madrid fans were there. The Liverpool fans were the ones that were having trouble getting in. So already there was some weird vibes around the the stadium. However, once the game started. Those kind of all fell to the wayside. I I don't really think the delay affected the players. You know, there's always going to be something. And and, and playing at this top level, usually these guys are mentally tough enough to handle things like that. And I didn't think it really affected the way the game played out. And the game played out as most people thought. With Liverpool dominating possession, Liverpool on the front foot attacking, 
everyone was really thinking that Madrid is really just going to pick their times. They're going to go for something. They can be dangerous on the counter. They're going to absorb some of Liverpool's attack. They're not going to be maintaining the ball in possession too much, but they're going to look to break and they're going to look to break fast. And all they need is a cup, one or two opportunities because they have such clinical finishers. And that's exactly what happened. Liverpool on the front foot, taking most of the possession. And Madrid was content with not seeing a ton of the ball. And what I thought was interesting was Madrid was defending much deeper than Liverpool, which is kind of what we thought. But just watching it play out, you have Madrid really kind of sitting back. They're letting Liverpool attack in waves. The big matchup that everybody talked about was Trent Alexander-Arnold versus Vinicius Jr., um, where you know we have a Trent Alexander-Arnold, an amazing attacking fullback, but is that attacking prowess going to affect his defending and getting back because Vinicius Jr. is such a threat, and he's quick going forward. He takes chances, and we saw that he wasn't really dropping too far back to defend. They were letting Alexander-Arnold push forward, and that was going to be the, the, the give and take. You know, uh, Was there going to be space that opened up for him? Liverpool, for sure, covered with Henderson and even Fabinho and, and, and uh, Kanate. So they were covering it and letting Alexander-Arnold move forward. And in the early minutes, you saw Liverpool attacking with not only their front three, but they were sending their fullbacks forward. And Thiago was getting up and Henderson. And so they were attacking as a team. And they were putting pressure on, on Madrid. I really thought that Liverpool had potential to find an early goal. But Courtois made a great save against Mane in I think about the 20th minute or so where uh, it ended up he saved it and it still hit the post and that was a a huge moment I think because if Liverpool got a goal I thought if they could have cracked Madrid early that would have really opened the game up which I think actually still would have favored Liverpool even though an open game might have seemed like it would have favored Madrid I think Liverpool would have been able to to have more chances and and start to wear down Real Madrid. But it didn't happen. It stayed 0-0, and most people agreed the longer it stayed 0-0, the more it favored Real Madrid. And one thing that I really saw, especially in the first half, because I think Liverpool had the energy, they were amped up for it, is as Madrid was defending deeper, Liverpool were pressing well. They weren't gegenpressing like sometimes they do where it's just all-out sprinting where they just chase you down. But they picked their moment. So they were patient. As soon as the ball went back to Courtois in goal, Mane stepped up hard, and the whole team pressed up and pushed up. And what they did was they really limited his options, so he had to kick it long. So they, they, they saw that moment. Every time that the ball went back to him, the whole team stepped, he kicks a long ball, Liverpool win it, and they come back down again. And that's really what we saw a lot in the first half. Mane would step up, press it, Liverpool wins it. What what Liverpool did was they defended much higher up the pitch, which is typical of them, and they kind of got that going. So Madrid was kind of in that cycle where they would get the ball for a little bit, 
go back to Courtois, kick it long, Liverpool wins it back, and Madrid couldn't really get a rhythm going. And, and it didn't help them that, honestly, their center mids, I just didn't think were clicking. Casemiro was giving the ball away a lot. Um, Cruz and Modric were dropping really deep to get the ball. And so they weren't really able to counter what Liverpool was doing very well. But what, what happened was the long ball from Courtois was easily won by Liverpool. But when Madrid had an opportunity to play a long ball from the middle of the pitch into the final third of Liverpool, that's where Madrid was starting to get dangerous. And that's where they got that goal that got called back offsides from Benzema. And I, I, I believe that was offsides. Most people do believe that the instant reaction is, you know, because it was kind of an awkward, rare play where the goalie had come out, so there was only so, but there was still one defender back. You know, offsides. Um, you know, you got there's got to be two defenders when you, including the goalie, right? So maybe if the goalie presses up high, it's the last two defenders that you need to be in front of. So he was clearly offsides. The question was. The ball, when it came to him, was it a pass from his player? Was it an interception from a Liverpool player where they they had more control over winning the ball? Or was it a deflection from a Madrid player's shot or pass that got deflected from Liverpool into Benzema? And there was that last one. Uh, so that deemed it offsides. I, I think it was offsides. A lot of people were wondering if the first ball to him was offsides, and I was curious about that too, but they never showed it. So we had to go with what they were really focusing on was that last play. But it was a warning sign for Liverpool. That that was one long ball, but it was played from the midfield line. So when they got to play those, they were much more dangerous than kicking long balls from, from the back. And that they were okay with it. So that's what what we saw with the first half, kind of playing out as people expected. Uh, I, I was curious about what would happen in the second half. You know, um, Klopp is famous for making adjustments at halftime, even substitutions, and the and whatever team talk he gives, Liverpool come out fired up. So that's what I was kind of seeing. The game played out just like we thought in the first half. What I was really curious on too was some of the different battles that we were seeing across the field. So the big battle that most people were concerned with was the Trent Alexander versus Vinicius Jr. One thing that I thought made that curious was Vinicius Jr., while I haven't seen him play too much this season, he seems like a player who doesn't really need the ball a lot. You know, there's times where players, they don't need to be, you know, getting the ball, you know, all the time, touching it, getting the ball, receiving it. Um, they, they don't need the ball. And I feel like he's one of those players where he's confident in his abilities. And if you when, when you do get him the ball, he's ready to make something happen with it. And those types of players are dangerous because you never know when they're going to go for it. And that's what I thought, you know, because he wasn't really tracking back on defense. He was playing higher up than Valverde was, who wasn't on the other side, who was dropping a little bit deeper. I thought, you know, if he gets the ball, he could create something. And that's what a lot of people were, were really focusing on. The, the more interesting matchup to me, um, 
the more intriguing one came from on the other side of the field with Luis Diaz for Liverpool and Danny Carvajal for um, Madrid because uh, Luis Diaz has come in and uh, has just been a sensation for Liverpool. He's just fit in perfectly like a glove. And he was he looked in the mood to me. I mean, he was early on, he was ready to run. He was getting the ball. He wanted to turn and go at Carvajal. And Carvajal is an experienced player, and he knew that he was not going to be able to keep up with the pace of Diaz. And so if you're a right back, like if you're, uh, I would say, an, an aspiring right back, should watch this game on how to defend like Carvajal did because it was the experience versus the youth and pace. And that was the most intriguing matchup to me because Carvajal knew he couldn't keep pace with Luis Diaz. And so he had to use different tactics. He had to use his knowledge and experience. He had to use the uh, positioning, right? He had to be in the right place at the right time. You, he had to be aggressive with his body. He had to, you know, push push him around a little bit, and always had to be in the right position. And Luis Diaz has the speed and the pace, and 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 the kind of attacking he wants to go at you. And that was the the battle that I thought was most interesting. And what I appreciated about it was, uh, even though Carvajal was frustrating Diaz, he never looked frustrated. It was like, okay, that last time he won the ball, but now I got the ball back, I'm going right back at him. And it was a proper battle between two players who were playing great. And at the end of the day, you know, I, I think Carvajal neutralized Diaz a little bit. I thought... Uh, if he could have broke, you know, broke something open there, it was a really interesting matchup to watch. And the pace and the um, the experience was going back and forth there. And you just saw a quality defender. And I think if you're a right back, you want to know, you want to be able to defend, but you also want to be able to go forward. I would say if you combine Trent Alexander-Arnold's, you know, the way he attacks going forward with Carvajal's defense you have a pretty stellar right back. So if it, that's what I took from this game. As the game progressed, that matchup, and I think it's because Diaz got the ball a lot. You know, um, Vinicius Jr. barely saw the ball in the first half, so we didn't really get to see the matchup as much. The ball came out to Diaz a lot. He was ready to go, so we got to see a real good matchup the whole game. And what I appreciated about both of them was Diaz never got put his head down, never got frustrated, never got, you know, threw his hands up. He just kept playing, and Carvajal kept playing. That, to me, was the most intriguing matchup. Now, the the goal came from Vinicius Jr. in the second half, and that was the matchup most people thought of, and I'll talk about that in a second. But if you really want to look at gameplay and how to play a position you got to go watch Carvajal play that right back position. I thought he played really well in that first half especially, but he kept it up through the whole game. Moving on to the second half. The first half was what we expected. You know, finals in this regard are always a little nervy. When you got the the games leading up to it, they always play two legs, you know, so you play a home and an away leg. And whoever scores the most goals moves on. So there's a little bit more freedom, right? Because if it, it, there, there's a second game that you can make up ground. 
But when it's a final, there you know this is the only shot, and I, I f- you feel that a lot in a final of this magnitude. World Cup finals have that feeling to them. Champions League finals as well. So neither team was going to go all out. It always seems like a boxing match where they're feeling each other out. They're gonna, you know, they'll they'll they'll, they'll probe a little bit. They'll they'll see, but they rarely go all out too soon. So the first half played out as we expected. Madrid sent some warning signs to Liverpool. Liverpool, you know, pressed. They worked hard and they created chances as well. So it was really about what's going to give, what's going to change in the second half. And, you know, um, Madrid found their opening. Courtois was the man of the match, I think, by uh, most people's regards, some amazing saves. But also, everybody knew that the longer the game went 0-0, it favored Madrid. And that brings up a good question. You know, uh, some people say, when you watch the game, that Liverpool were the better team. And in general, I think if they played 10 times, Liverpool would probably win, I think, 6 or 7 of those. So overall, I do think that Liverpool was maybe the better team in general. And even on the day, they looked to the eye better. But really, how do you determine who was better, right? Is it who looked better? Is it who created more chances? Or is it who executed their team's game plan better, right? Like there's there's something to consider about playing your game plan and playing it to perfection. And honestly, I thought Madrid executed their game plan perfectly. See, when when everybody knows what you're going to do and you still do it, especially in soccer, that's a sign of a really good team. And I think Madrid were underrated this season, and they came out and proved everybody wrong. Their game plan was to absorb some pressure from Liverpool, let Liverpool, you know, work some attacks in, and and you know they they were okay that they were going to probably turn the ball over to Liverpool a lot, and but they knew that they just needed a chance. They needed a chance. They trusted their their front three, and they knew that if they could get that chance, they had the confidence, they had the ability to hold off Liverpool and win the game. And that's exactly what they did. And the second half, the, 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 the space started to open up a little bit more for Madrid. Uh, Liverpool, they just couldn't quite get, um, get enough going in the offensive third. And sure enough, Madrid found their break. And if you can break fast enough against Liverpool, you can have an opportunity to have numbers up on them. And you have to take advantage of it. See, this is when you when you really think about when a, a team the, that is actually better than the team they're playing when there's a when you know they're playing a weaker team, the weaker team is going to have to take their chances, and so that's really the sign of a that that separates a good team from a from a real average team is an average team doesn't take their chances all the time. They get some. You're going to get something, but. Madrid, their season, they know they're a good team, and they know that they got to take their chances, and that's what they did. They Liverpool can commit some numbers high, so if you break quickly, you can you can attack with numbers. Trent Alexander-Arnold left Vinicius Jr. all by himself on the back post. Uh, you never want to leave somebody behind you because you don't know where they are. You can't tell, and it was a nice, easy tap-in, and... Um, 
and then on the on the other side of the field, you have Thibaut Courtois making some great saves. He just looked so big in goal, and that's what you want from your goalie to just fill the goal up, and it just makes it hard for the other team to score. The save against Mo Salah on his right foot was brilliant. You know, I just watched the top 25 Premier League goals of the season. They just posted it on NBC YouTube channel. Uh, definitely go watch that. That was th- those are some great goals. But Mo Salah was number one, and it was a right-footed goal, very similar to what he had in the Champions League final. And but Courtois made the save, and he just he had some great saves in that game. He saved against Mane in the first half, and a few other big ones. He caught everything. That's what you want, man. When your keeper has solid hands and catches stuff, that just builds confidence with everybody. And Liverpool struggled like they have at times this season to break down opponents. And ultimately, I think they just ran out of time. You know, if if the game went another 10 minutes, you would fancy Liverpool to get one, maybe two. Madrid got their goal and they held them out. And they executed their game plan perfectly. So who was better? I don't know. You decide. Okay, so final thoughts on the game. It was a good game. I enjoyed it. But like I said earlier, finals can be tough because they're nervy. It takes a little while to get into them. Nobody wants to really make a mistake. But they still end up with really good games. It, it was great to see. You just As a soccer fan, you just can't wait for games like this. And you see two great clubs, Liverpool versus Real Madrid. And it was just, it was everything that you wanted. Maybe a few more goals would have been really fun and exciting. But it raised the question from earlier this week, what's harder, winning the Premier League or winning the Champions League? Because Pep Guardiola said winning the Premier League is harder. And I think part of that stems from the fact that he's won it a couple times and hasn't won Champions League with Manchester City yet. But I, I really do think if you analyze them, my take is the Champions League is harder to win. Here's why. In the Premier League, yes, I do believe it is the toughest league. I believe that the level of competition is very high between the top and the bottom. There's a bigger drop-off in some of the other leagues. Every game is tough in the Premier League. However, you can play poorly and still win the Premier League. You can have games where you don't play great. You're off. Uh, Man City had it. I watched them against Crystal Palace. Off game um, against them, lost 2-0. You you can, you know, have a lapse in concentration and, and you know, tie against a lower team, you know, and, and lose a game here and there, you know. But you have enough time to make make it up. That's That's my view on it. But in Champions League, like you got to be on all the time. There's no, like a mistake in Champions League knocks you out. And that's why I think it's harder, right? A lapse of concentration and you could be on your way out. And we saw that with Real Madrid. PSG was up. They had a lapse of concentration and Madrid pounced on it and scored a few goals and moved on. Then, you know, the most notably was Manchester City versus Real Madrid. Man City was, seemed like they were in control. They won 4-3 in the first game. And they, they had a lapse of concentration for a few minutes. 
and let Madrid come back and win. So when you look at Champions League, you have to be on. You 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 have to put together a string of performances, and there's no, there's very very little room for error. When you look at the Premier League, you got 38 games throughout the season. If you drop a couple points, you can make it up, and that's what Man City normally does. They go on these long win streaks, and I think the Premier League is challenging it's great i think it's the best league in the world it's my favorite league to watch although i do enjoy watching all the other ones it's easier for me to watch the premier league it's uh, more more available here in the states but winning champions league is harder in my view but it was a great season for real madrid i think they're underrated but think about the run that they made to win the champions league they beat psg chelsea manchester city liverpool that is an incredible run of games to win. And a lot of them, they came from behind as well. So you give them a lot of credit. They are the Galacticos. They are the top players. But they showed a lot of grit. They showed a lot of hard work. So I was very impressed with Real Madrid season. And it looks like they're going to have some good signings. It looks like they're going to be back maybe even stronger next season. Liverpool, while a lot of people may consider it a little bit disappointing, Man, what a they still had a great season. If I if I knew if I followed the statistics correctly, they played I believe 63 games this season and lost 3. And unfortunately, that third loss was the Champions League final and they had a chance to, you know, win 3 trophies, the Champions League, they won the FA Cup and the League Cup. So even though they only won 2 out of a potential 4 that they were challenging for, the two that they didn't win were the more prestigious, but man, you can hang your head high. That was a great season from Liverpool, and I look forward to seeing what they're going to do next season. I hope that a lot of the top teams you know, do well in the offseason and get stronger because I want to see some real good competition next season as well. It was a great season. I, I really enjoyed this season with Champions League, with the Premier League. And we're off now for from games, but we'll continue this podcast. We're going to analyze some of the different formations from different Premier League teams throughout the season, see who did some better, who did some pretty poorly, and, uh, and how these systems work when you break them down. 4-3-3, 4-4-2, 4-2-3-1, and so forth. So we're going to have plenty for you throughout the summer as we gear up for another season in August, as we move then towards the World Cup in the winter. So stay tuned. Really appreciate you tuning in and listening to our Socrates podcast. Remember, know thy soccer and join us next time. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Socrates Podcast. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to your podcast. Special thanks to Grid Lab for providing the music and the artwork for our show. Socrates Podcast is a production of Ball Watchers FC.